welcome to the Cult of the Clock Tower. I am Andrew Nathanson. Every other week, a special guest and I have an in-depth discussion about a character from the game Blood on the Clock Tower. In this case, however, three special guests and I will be having discussions about three different characters from Blood on the Clock Tower, three travelers, in fact. We are going to be talking about the thief, the bureaucrat, and the scapegoat. We're going to start off here with the thief, whose ability reads, Each night, choose a player, not yourself. Their vote counts negatively tomorrow. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, and welcome back, Ed. Hey. Hi. So, we're talking about the thief here. And let's get right into it. Any general thoughts on the thief before we get started? Uh, across the board, I I really like the thief. I think it's one of those... Um, both the thief and the bureaucrat, I really like. One of the things I like generally about Clock Tower is that um, for every rule and for every meta, there is uh, an ability that's specifically designed to break that rule <laughs> or meta. And yeah. I really like, yeah, these two, the thief and bureaucrat, because normally, um, you know, it, in every other situation, but when that these guys are in play, the the thought for voting is literally just do I want to vote in favor of this or not? You know, in, you know, there's a little bit in sex and violence where you know, you've got to be wary of if there's a flower girl, if you're the demon, but that's the, basically there's almost nothing that, that hampers or uh, exaggerates your ability to vote. Uh, and whether you want to, there's no thought that goes into the strategy of it. Generally it is literally just, do I want to vote in favor of this or not? Will it make me look suspicious if I vote in favor of this or not? That's <laughs> like the extent of the thinking. Whereas these two really push you to go, well, hang on a minute. If I'm thiefed and I've not been told, then this is going to happen. If I'm thiefed and I have been told, how do I want to use it? And that it just adds another level of, of, of interest to what would other, what is otherwise just such a core mechanic that you, I think in experience groups, people just don't have to think about voting anymore. It's literally mm -hmm. just, who do I want executed? Is this person one of the people I want executed? Am I voting yes or no, etc. You know, it, it, it really adds a, uh, adds a layer of uh, complexity to that, which I really enjoy. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the thief more so than the bureaucrat. I mean, bureaucrat certainly is a very powerful character, but but it doesn't really change the way you think about voting. It's still kind of just like I'm going to vote for the person I want to vote for, and yeah. maybe I'll end up voting. Like maybe I'll end up extra voting for them. Yeah, it I'm just emphasizes really hard today accidentally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah it just emphasizes the exact thing you were thinking anyway. Whereas the thief actually makes you have to really like wind back and reverse how you're thinking about things, which is yeah, I I, I hear you on that. That's definitely true. Yeah, but um, so thief's super interesting. Uh, the negative vote is when it's surprising, it's really funny. And when it's planned, it can be really interesting tactically. So yeah, let's get into it. So let, uh, if you're a good thief, what's your overall strategy? Well, basically, um, there's two ways of looking at what your your ability is useful for. Um, it's pretty simple. I, either you're trying to find people you're pretty sure are evil, and you thief their vote so that the votes that they try and take advantage, try and um, vote for are going to uh, be handicapped or you go with the opposite method which is certainly more useful mid-game is finding a trusted good player giving them the negative vote and they can actively sabotage executions they don't want to go through um, yep. both of these have pros and cons um, so there's always the interest if you are trying to pick the evil players and hamper their votes by thiefing their votes and not telling them 
the problem is that that only works once. So if that first nomination of the day is someone that they would willingly throw their vote in on, but they're no, they're not, you know, it's it's not something that they're really trying to push through or anything. They will instantly find out that they've been thiefed, and then the tactic no longer works. And worse, the evil player can then manipulate their negative vote exactly the way that a good player would be able to, but it's no longer in your favor. Um, yeah, so, so I, I think with that in mind, the safer thing to do is to do the good player strategy where you find a trusted good player and let them steal votes away from players they trust. Absolutely. Um, and that becomes, yeah, that becomes a very nuanced, especially uh, in that mid-game phase when there's, you know, a few people that are trusted and a few people that, well, that haven't got that same level of trust it becomes a bit tricky because obviously you're you're most likely to be giving that negative vote to an alive player because otherwise it's not really doing much but what that means is that if say we're down to seven players and you think that you know maybe there's one evil player dead and you say so you've got well starting with two minions say and you say so you've got two alive that's two two evil alive and five good alive but you've made it so that one of those five good has a negative vote so it's effectively two against four and mm-hmm. that becomes really interesting because yes, that good player can stop nominations on the five, stop executions on the five much more easily because the the the, uh, the requirements aren't as high. But it also means it's much more of a heavy lift to get executions on the people you do want to kill because that person you trust can no longer vote. Yeah, so it's it's more something as a way to stop executions from happening in general i feel like if you feel like the game is at a point where the wrong people are going to be executed and you just want them to have more nights to Mm. gather information that's when you should be trying to use this i think yeah i'm definitely inclined to agree with that and that that being said i think the thief is also kind of a mid-game traveler like at the start of the game it's not going to be super impactful because there's just enough votes going around that most of the time this one vote won't make the difference and in the late game you're probably just going to be exiled. So it is like a, I feel like it's kind of, it's a mid game traveler. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it certainly comes into its own then. Cause it doesn't do much, you know, it doesn't impact much on the first couple of days um, because there's a lot of votes going around. It's, it's not going to be a, most likely not going to be allowed to live for the last uh, day or so. So it is really on that mid game when, like I say, yeah, you're in the sort of five to maybe just about up to nine players alive if you're playing a larger game, or five to seven if you started with nine or ten, uh, where it really becomes powerful because the vote requirement's quite low, but it also means that the the pushing a vote negatively is even more effective, and it's it's something to you know you can you can play with that as well because you only get a certain number of chances of who to thief. And so perception can become really interesting at that point, just in terms of, you know, you, you, you're going to be communicating with the town and they're going to they're gonna make arguments as to whose vote you should thief and you can suggest things. And obviously, if you're good, you are going to want to build that trust by communicating clearly who you're, whose vote you're stealing. I think it's it's similar to a lot of travelers where the more clear you are with like playing along with what the town wants you to do. And of course, using your own voice to influence that discussion and put forth your own ideas, but still overall listening to what people want you to do, um, then that's that's your that's your way of building trust. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a tricky argument on the thief because um, 
a lot of the time a town will push you to pick someone that's dead so that it doesn't impact the day-to-day which is you know a not unreasonable argument but i would push very strongly against that because what you <laughs> you know it means you can't take advantage of it either i i have to say i admit that i am someone who likes the the interesting play and to do something i'd much rather do something weird and wonderful that crashes and burns uh than <laughs> uh just play the, the most reliable statistically most successful game um and i think in the medium term people will go along with that if especially because that just if you're always playing that 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 gen- generic if you're this you should do this thing game your meta just comes predictable and boring and it's the other thing is that i find that the 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 deduction players the mechanical focused players are the ones who are like surely if you if you're this ability you should always do this thing but what they don't realize is that if if it is generally agreed that everyone all the, always does that you're putting all the power in the hands of the social players uh who don't yeah cuz then if you don't do that you're gaining you're gaining the power yeah i'd be wary of it becoming the norm that you pick dead players partially because you're basically turning around to the thief and going you don't really get an ability deal with it um which is you know not fun and as a as a storyteller if that becomes the accepted meta i would push back on that to a degree um especially by pointing out all the benefits that you can have of uh of you know stopping those nominations or or surprising with the the, the negative vote yeah and i'll say that i think like for anyone listening i think that if you have an established meta where you think that any character should always do one thing i think that is just wrong yeah. I, I don't think that there is any argument that you can make that would convince me that there is always an optimal play. Like, the game is so dependent on circumstance, and the storyteller has an active role, so anything that becomes a meta, they can break. Uh. Yeah, and if uh, if anyone has got a group who's always like, no, you must play this exact role in this exact way, uh, give me a call, I'll come play, I'll talk to your storyteller, I'll get them to give me a role <laughs> where I can take advantage of it, and then I will show you why that meta's not a good thing. Um, yep. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still yet to find a meta which uh, is is reliable enough that you can go yes this person should this character should always do this this specific thing agreed so yeah what else are, what else is there to say about being a good thief oh i like i like this note you put in there which is that you can like if you're doing the thing where you have a good player vote negatively if you promise to vote how they want you to vote then that's a good way to counteract the the lack of a vote um you're adding your own vote in there you're also adding an extra player to the game as far as the voting math, so it doesn't perfectly counteract it, but it is a good way to help in that direction. Kind of yes, kind of no. Um, yeah, it, it it helps particularly because it's 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 not an offset. It's one of the things that um, I've had people do do in the past. Um, I literally heard the conversation between that trusted good player who'd got the negative vote and the thief, and the thief go, "Yeah, I'll vote when you want to vote," so that we still are putting that extra vote on it's just that obviously yours is negative and then the person who was thiefed was like right i'll put my hand up when i want to vote put that hand, <laughs> uh, put that hand up forgot to take it down it's like right we've just that's that's uh, a, a net zero we've just done there <laughs> yep it's <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah it was quite entertaining yeah, you need a signal that isn't the thing that is actually going to use the negative vote yes absolutely. you need like a thumbs up or something <laughs> nodding furiously any of these things um but yeah i mean and i mean if they're if you're trusting them that much hopefully you know who they want to be executing anyway but uh yeah yeah um <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a, there's an element there but it's yes, funny <laughs> I, I, I definitely favor that um you know especially if you can find 
another player as well who's happy to commit to that, um, which you can get sometimes is someone going, uh, especially when you're in a confirmed version situation here where you've given your negative vote to the confirmed version to let them use it as they want to. If there's another player who's not getting much information, I, I tend to see it with uh, soldiers, recluses, um, maybe an empath who sat next to that confirmed virgin and so uh, no one's really wanting to execute to give the empath more information. Um, those sort of players are quite often willing to go, yeah, okay, when the confirmed virgin wants me to vote, I will vote because they are themselves are thiefed. That you can get a, a pretty powerful actual vote turn because as soon as that, confirmed version says yes to something there's at least two of you that are just going to vote without even questioning it um which could be really powerful yeah and if you, yeah if you have two votes plus a negative vote to stop any other executions you can have really strong control over the voting power in the game yeah absolutely all right anything else you want to say about being a good thief i feel like it's a fairly straightforward character yeah it's it's very definitely fairly straightforward i think much like the gunslinger as soon as uh you seem to be going against requested choices and you can't give an, a convincing explanation why you're gonna get exiled i think um, it's the nature of the thief generally is that it's sort of inconvenient enough if it's not being planned that people are just gonna cut out the middleman and get rid of you if it's being awkward um so yeah it's it's definitely important that you really need to be able to justify your actions happily you do you act first at night so you have the entire rest of the night to come up with a reason why you would do what you're doing um, but uh, I, I do think there's actually there's an interesting thing where sometimes you do actually want to be picking dead players um or at least it's not a bad default because in the mid game when you're likely to still be alive most of the time or at least some of the time when dead players will vote is when they're evil and trying to save their demon from just being incidentally executed. So it's not always a bad thing to take away dead players' votes um, or to negatize dead players' votes because often they'll be using those votes, like they'll be using dead votes in the most impactful situations. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, it takes a certain amount of gamble, but if you pull it off, then that's amazing. I feel, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I feel... a, it's a safe thing to do, though, I think, because if it's a, like, most of the time that's not going to lose you anything for good. And in the situations where it is doing something helpful, it's going to be very helpful. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely a good point, actually. Uh, I think it's interesting because um, my, certainly my regular group have, have got quite a strong meta, which at some point I need to, to work around uh, seeing if we can change, that as soon as someone's not trusted or so as soon as someone's, you know, not guaranteed evil, but everyone's pretty sure they're evil, that play, player will... Basically, if if they ever get to the point where they feel they have to throw in their ghost vote in order to save their demon, they'll just not bother because at that point there's no point. Everyone will as soon as they throw in their ghost vote, everyone will be like, "Yep, they're evil." Yeah, um, <laughs> this is the demon we're making the right call. And so, in my group, that that wouldn't have come up, and that's actually a really good point. So I like that. If you if your group isn't like mine at the moment, which I think it will swing in a different direction at some point, um, I've got some combinations of things that might I might sort of nudge into happening to 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 break that a little <laughs> bit. Um, yeah, if you have if you haven't got that meta established, then that's a great play. Yeah, and I think that even if you don't necessarily have someone who you think is evil and dead, just picking a random dead player who you think might be evil, like if it turns out they are and they're like using their ghost vote to save their demon, then it's going to be impactful. 
Yeah. So even if it's not like a guaranteed thing that you think is definitely an evil player, it's not the worst thing to do. Uh, let's talk about being an evil thief now. This is, in some ways, um, the more natural home for the thief because they're going to be making it harder to execute, which generally favors evil. Although, on that note, I don't think that the thief necessarily favors either team. It's not like the gunslinger and the beggar where I feel like putting it in the game, you no matter what team it's on, is going to help uh, one team or the other. I feel like the thief is fairly neutral, and it really just depends on how it gets played. But yeah, so let's talk about thief on the evil team. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely inclined to agree with that. I think that it's easier for the thief to see what they want to do when they're evil. Um, yeah. But it's much harder to do it consistently and get away with it. Whereas <laughs> when you're a good thief, it's much harder to uh, negotiate the slightly murky waters of exactly who you want to, you know, which way you want to be playing it, who you want to be trusting and take how you want to take advantage of things. But also generally a bit easier to not be exiled because you can basically um, commit to trusting a certain group of people and then following what they request and therefore you're going to find it that bit easier to not get exiled. So mm -hmm. I find it quite an interesting one when you're evil because there's sort of the blend between those. Um, like Somewhat like we said on the Gunslinger episode, uh, you can, you're basically turning around to, the, in the, exactly as you were with the good good thief you're turning around to trusted players trying to get them to provide you with a narrative of what you should be doing and ideally having more than one narrative um and therefore being able to to pick between them uh as favors your team i also i love the thief because uh it's one of the travelers which gives you a good reason to talk to your demon on the first day um because you oh, can interesting. One of the things that uh, I've seen happen with a thief is that uh, in the same way as, um, you know, there's that, that established thing you can do as any traveler is just walk up to everyone individually and go, I've been told you're my demon, which demon are you? Or, you know, uh, I've been told you're my demon, who's the rest of the evil team? And it's mm -hmm. not going to work most of the time, but it'll happen work sometimes. When you're the thief, you can do that to a few people. You can tell several people that they've got negative votes and, and just read what their reactions are. And in amongst all of that, you can you can have talked to over half the town and managed to sneak a conversation with your demon, and no one's going to ask any questions because it'll come out pretty damn quickly that you've yeah. been telling various people that yeah yeah you're evil and they're your demon, and everyone will be like, well, well yeah, they've done that to everyone, <laughs> um, and so you you very quickly get that ability to go. Uh, and talk to your demon. Obviously, if you if you're pushing that too often, then it's not going to work from the perspective as the demon is just not going to trust you but it still makes it a very good excuse to actually go and talk to them that gives me an idea that um as the thief or i guess the bureaucrat since you're actually selecting someone at night you can just target your demon with your ability and be like look i'm going around to everyone claiming that they're my demon but i know you're actually my demon and to prove it i've used my ability on you and i haven't used it on any of them and then they can actually verify that by checking that you did indeed use your ability on them and that makes it much more likely that you actually knew who they were. So that that is actually a good way to build trust with your demon. Yeah, that's absolutely reliable. That was actually the the next thing I had in mind. So I'm really glad you spotted that. Um, it's a really yeah. nice little little mechanic as well because um, you, generally you don't care if your demon's vote is negative on the first day. And in some respects, it almost makes them more trusted when they get a negative vote and they go, "Oh, okay, I'll I'll not vote or I'll do what the." You know, I'll push what the town wants for this in order to mm -hmm. to make this happen, um, and because you know, they're, they're, even if they're the random choice for the good thief on the first day, you know, it's it's not going to 
put any negative malice on them. Um, obviously, as long as uh, the meta doesn't get established that that's what the thief always does, um, yeah. <laughs> which is the thing I'm always wary of when I when we have conversations like this on the podcast, and I'm like, I know that some of my group listen to this. Um, and, but, well, that's know, the thing. Then, then the ones who listen will eventually everyone will be able to just call them out, and people will realize that you shouldn't have met us. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, you should also listen to my advice. It's good advice. Um. <laughs> Yeah, the really delicate balance between those things. Uh, <laughs> do what we say, but not all the time. Uh, yeah, until until you should do the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do that. Do what we say until everyone's expecting you to. At which point, don't. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, go. On, what else do you reckon about the evil thief? Uh, yeah, I mean, just stealing good votes. You can always. I feel like thief is an easy one to just be like, I didn't know who to pick, so I chose someone, and then like they just happen to vote for somebody who. And like they don't know they're gonna have a negative vote, and you can just sow chaos that way. And I feel like the thief can kind of get away with it because, unlike the gunslinger, which has that really active and like powerful and obvious ability, people don't think about the thief quite as much. I don't think. Yeah, so, uh, so you can get away with just being a little random. <laughs> yeah, especially because um, as you get to those, you know, that penultimate day or the day before that, um, it does tend to have, have narrowed down to there'll be far fewer nominations generally and they will be of people that want to be executed that mm-hmm. the town wants to be executing um and so that can become a real crucial swing in your favor which is really useful especially the like i mean the holy grail i think for the thief is uh assuming that you're going to be exiled on the final day um if you're in the final five there's a nomination of your demon and your surprise vote steal is the thing that swings it away from the demon yeah. and you're putting it therefore down to the final three with your demon having been nominated the previous day and uh therefore all of the doubt in terms of you know they were they could have been executed yesterday but weren't is that because they are actually evil or is that because the the, the good thief and someone has worked together to prevent that execution um and you know they've always got that better odds in the final three so it's 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 a happy place to be if you manage to pull that off but even if you don't manage to do it on that day and you just get a vote swing off an evil player on a previous day it's you still net gain for your team if one of your if one of your team has not been executed on a day they would have been executed that's a gain yes (laughs) yeah i don't think there's too much more to it than that yeah i don't think so all right, let's talk about the storytelling with the thief then. So this is obviously the mechanical part of storytelling with it, which I've actually seen a couple different ways this can go. How do you count the votes typically in your group, and how do you change that? Like, wh- like what do you do when when a thief vote happens? Um, I run it the way that I thought the Almanac told you to, but I am now suddenly doubting myself if there's more than one way that people tend to do it, which is... Um... Well, I mean... There is a way that the almanac tells you to do it, but there is a little bit of wiggle room, I think, in terms of, like, what you actually say out loud. It's communicating the same things, but you can kind of have a different style with it. Okay, interesting. So I've always done the... I will be counting around just... Yeah, so it would be one, two, three, four, three, four, five, Mm -hmm. um, as you roll around. So I'm really curious about what the other what other people are doing. That's I mean, different. It's it's not a big thing. I I don't mean to imply that it's like a big change, but like I, I don't know. Like I've heard people like make a point to say something about the negative vote rather than just decreasing the number. Like say like one, two, three, oh minus one, that's two. Like to actually make a point of saying that and kind of pointing it out more than just going down to two. 
which I, I don't think it makes a big difference. It is I, That can be useful to clarify what's happening, though, so that people aren't too confused, unless you want them to be confused, of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's, there's definitely a, a balance there. I might consider doing that on the first nomination, on as in on the first uh, vote that has a thiefed vote in mm-hmm. a relatively new player game. But after that, people people are paying attention to the vote anyway um, especially when they know a thief or bureaucrat's in play especially when most of the time the thief is going to have told at least one person that their vote's been thiefed and they're gonna like find out whether that's the case or not so it tends to be a relatively quick thing having said that uh in every group there's at least one person who's not paying attention who will go oh i thought, <laughs> I thought we had five votes for that it's like no you've got three um just... <laughs> yeah so yeah, uh, yeah, I I can hear the argument for that. Yeah, I think that in general, just like like you're saying, like doing it the way the Almanac says exactly is probably the best way to do it. Yes, yeah, certainly least effort. So that I mean, that does also mean um, that people do do things differently in terms of what they do with the grimoire while they're running votes. Some people will like uh, certainly a lot of people will take the grimoire with them. Um, mm-hmm. I personally don't. I leave it where you know on the table outside the circle while I run votes, so that I don't have to worry about keeping it out of sight mainly because i generally i can remember uh, especially in trouble brewing i can happily remember who's the virgin if there's someone that's been thiefed and if someone's been bureaucrated um because that's basically the extent of what you need to be able to do and so i don't tend to bring the grimoire with me but that does mean before you step in and when you open nominations just have a quick double check who's been thiefed because the last thing you want is to be stood in the middle of that circle and then going wait a minute they've been claiming they thiefed that person but did they actually thief that person <laughs> i think they th- yeah um, you definitely want to to have a quick double check of that before you before you step in yes definitely it's good to note that it doesn't apply to exiles um yeah so this is actually a, voted for an execution yeah this is uh, something that i i think it's the most common rules error with travelers that i see um no abilities at all literally no ability ever applies to an exile vote mm-hmm. so if the demon votes they don't show up for a flower girl uh the traveler abilities themselves don't apply if an exile is the first uh vote of a day the gunslinger doesn't get to kill none of these things apply to exile votes it's amazing how often that gets missed because it just doesn't seem like much of a thing but it really is actually quite important in certain situations there are certain things where it would it genuinely is there are game breaking tactics that can be used if abilities apply to exile votes. So they don't there's literally no ability ever applies to an exile at all. Um so that's really important to remember. And yeah, I think we already kind of covered like the things they can do for both teams. So just to keep those things in mind. I think it tends to be a lower impact, certainly than the gunslinger. Uh probably lower impact than the scapegoat, even th- I, I think it might be of the trouble brewing travelers. I'm uh, beggar is probably the lowest impact actually most of the time, but I think thief tends to be one of the lower impact travelers. So I'm almost always comfortable putting a thief into the game. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I would say, I would say uh, it is. I think it is the lowest impact, like in terms of the, the lowest swing um, for one yeah. team over the other, be- purely because like I think the beggar is perceived as being lower impact, but it mm-hmm. does like much like the Baron, seems like it doesn't do much, but is actually probably one of the most powerful uh, Yeah, <laughs> Like, the Beggar seems like it doesn't do much, but it, it really, really can. And when it does, it will absolutely empower 
um, one of the teams. So yeah, I d- definitely think Thieb is the, the least swingy. You can absolutely feel free to put it on either team. Maybe be a little bit careful just in terms of... You, it's always worth bearing in mind... You, you can put a Thief in late game. It's not the end of the world. Uh, but it does massively reduce their strategic capabilities because they're basically yeah. coming in, they get to pick one or two people to lose a vote and then they're going to get exiled anyway. Um, so it's quite a tricky one from that point of view. In terms of player engagement and player fun to get right. So if they are coming in late and you're putting them in as a thief, I'd definitely try and put them in, in, in a place that they can actually be involved. So if they're coming in good, maybe consider putting them in next to that empath um, mm-hmm. and giving them a, a a chance to be read as good and therefore a chance of surviving a little lo- longer. Or if they're coming in evil, um, make sure they're not next to that empath and make sure they're, they're, they're put in somewhere and then give them give them a decent opportunity to, to actually have some conversation. I think that's one of the other things that I would just say generally about travellers is the day that a traveller comes in, you want to push the day slightly longer than you would normally. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've put a lot of people operate on a sort of, I give between five and eight, maybe 10 minutes per day. And that decreases slowly as time goes on. Uh, mm-hmm. You will want to push that back out again for when a traveller is new, because they are going to want to talk to people and people are going to want to talk to them. And it's a it, it's also a bit crappy for that traveler if they've come in they've maybe talked to two people because that's their time to talk to and then they're into votes and they've got no idea what's going on they've not caught up with all the all the information that's gone around the town publicly and then the next day they get exiled um so yeah just give them a little bit more opportunity i think is the other storyteller point i'll say on that one all right um i think that about does it for thief and yeah thank you ed for being on these two episodes appreciate your input as always, especially with these <laughs> travelers that I don't know as much about. It's always good to have somebody who has a lot more experience with the game than I do. You are most welcome. It's always fun having a chat with you. Uh, and for everyone at home, have fun in the next section of the podcast, or if this is the last section, uh, with the rest of your day. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later, Ed. Cheers, Andrew. And we're back to the awkward section in between guests. You're going to be hearing about the bureaucrat next, so I should probably tell you what they do. The bureaucrat's ability is, each dusk, choose a player, not yourself. Their vote counts as three votes tomorrow. Alright, so, into the next section here, possibly the last, possibly the first. I don't know how these episodes are going to go, I'll decide when I'm editing. Anyway, this is the bureaucrat, and joining me to talk about the bureaucrat is Brian. Welcome back, Brian. Hi. Should we get right into this? I'm sure everyone remembers you from the Empath episode and the uh, Butler, I think. Butler, yeah. Episode, yeah. So we're talking about the bureaucrat here. To start, do you have any general thoughts on the bureaucrat in general? Just like, like how do you, how much do you like it as a character or that kind of thing? Like, <laughs> so I think that uh, a lot of the trouble brewing travelers in general, but especially like the bureaucrat and thief, are really good sort of simple travelers that aren't going to probably change the game too much. They don't confuse newer players. They can kind of work in pretty much any set, at least in my opinion. So I kind of like it because of that. Yeah, the bureaucrat is definitely like, it's not going to mess up anything. How do you play the bureaucrat when you're a good bureaucrat, do you think? So honestly, as you're being able to give people extra votes. So if you're a good bureaucrat, you want to be giving extra votes to a good player 
yeah, I feel like it's a little bit more clear cut for an evil bureaucrat because you know who like your teammates are, so you exactly. can always make the decision like in the correct way. With a good bureaucrat, you have to do the same thing as kind of every other character in the game and like figure out who's good and who you think is the, can be the most trusted. <laughs> exactly. And you might, you know, you're probably going to be trying to talk to people, maybe uh, figure out who you can trust, who might need the votes, who you think is going to be nominated, things like that. And you're trying to get people to trust you, honestly. So you probably want to be communicating who you chose probably before the votes happen most of the time. Yeah, if you're not, if it's a surprise that can cause all sorts of problems, even if it is a good player with the votes. Like, they could accidentally tie a vote or something that you didn't want to. Um, so just in general, communicating is really important. Exactly. It's not good if uh, people think, oh, I'll just, you know, throw one more vote on this, and then we can see where this goes. Maybe we want to beat it later, and then suddenly there's three more votes on it, and now you can't beat it. So yeah, really just, like, communicating what you're doing is so important, because if you don't, no one's going to trust you, and for good reason, because <laughs> even if you're trying to do good, you won't be able to if people don't know that they have the ability. Yeah, there's not too much more to the ability than that, really. Like, you want to give it to people who you want their votes to be worth more, and then their votes will be worth more. Uh, <laughs> I think that a, a kind of important thing to remember is three votes is a lot. Yeah, it's so much. Um, if you're at six players or, or less, you know, w that one person raising their hand means that that vote can pass, which is a lot of power later on in the game. Yeah, and even early in the game, like, it's three votes is often enough to make it so that as long as they're, like, voting with somebody that, like, a reasonable amount of other people want to die, then, like, especially if it's a situation where about half the people are voting then those three votes are going to make it so that you can never beat that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll often see uh, earlier in the game when there's, you know, 10 people alive or whatever, you'll you'll see votes get real close but maybe not pass, and mm -hmm. having those extra votes in there is probably going to make a big difference there. Yeah, it is worth mentioning that just having a bureaucrat in the game makes it so that there will be more, it's more likely that there will be executions each day, which is kind of a hidden ability of the bureaucrat. And I feel like that's usually what the good team wants to be doing anyway, so that's not a bad thing by any means. But it, but it is interesting to note that and just keep that in mind that if you have a bureaucrat in the game and you're a good player, then you, you're you going to be more likely to execute. It's going to be harder not to execute, so you're going to have to work harder if you ever want to not execute someone. Um, and I don't know if uh, this is mentioned in with your thief part, but if you've got a bureaucrat and a thief in the same game and they choose the same player, then that person's going to have negative three votes. Right, yeah, we didn't talk about this, but this is a good interaction to know so, about. So, <laughs> yeah, it can be really fun because Bureaucrat doesn't add votes, it triples votes, and Thief yeah. makes votes negative, so if they both choose the same person, then that person's going to have negative three votes. Now, if you've got, you know, a Bureaucrat and a Thief, and those are your only travelers, then if you're good, you can probably bet that the Thief is going to be evil, but you can kind of try <laughs> to, you know, if you've got more travelers, maybe maybe you're both good, or maybe you can try to manipulate it a little bit and see if you can get evil players to get some negative votes or something like that too. Yeah, and, and even if the thief is evil, they might be choosing evil players anyway because like having a evil player able to stop a vote is useful. Exactly. Um, sometimes. So like sometimes you can make it so that they accidentally have more negative votes than they thought, although that might just be making them do what they want to do better anyway. But yeah, that is a powerful interaction to keep in mind that working together with a thief, you can basically you can really like, the the ability to take away three votes is even more swingy than the ability to add three votes. Exactly. Um, you can just protect anybody you want protected at that point. 
And it's got three, and now it has zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so hard to overrule that. Who are, like, good targets, do you think, for the ability, other than just, like, generically people who you believe to be good? <laughs> Honestly, I, I, it is partly anybody that you believe to be good, but I think that the um, people who are less likely to be targeted at night also, because you don't know who's dying that night that you're picking. Because you're choosing before that happens. So, you know, some of the first night info rules are often a little bit more trusted, and, and but also not likely to be getting killed at night, even if they're bluffing. Yeah. So, that you know, sense. making sure that you're not <laughs> giving giving the triple vote to somebody who's only has a dead vote now. Yeah, although later in the game that can be viable. Like, Oh yeah, when manage... people are actually going to be using their dead vote. Yeah, on the last few days I can totally see it being a good strategy to give your give it to a trusted dead player like if there's you know a confirmed virgin or whatever even if they're dead that could still be your best choice true i also just kind of assume that travelers are probably not going to make it to the last day yeah they might make it to the second to last day depending but even then people will often be like you know even if we think you're good we're not 100% certain and it can be really swingy so maybe we're just gonna exile you and remove your ability yeah, the bureaucrat usually is like, in my experience, um, which admittedly is limited, uh, in my experience, the bureaucrat is more likely than most others to make it later in the game. Not not the last day by any means. Pretty much no no travelers get there except like a beggar with no vote. Uh, <laughs> but um, I have found that the bureaucrat is usually, people don't usually care that much to exile them because the ability... While it is very powerful, it doesn't feel as threatening as something like a gunslinger or a scapegoat. Exactly. Or, or even a thief. So yeah, if you, are, if you are in the game later, feel free to use it on dead players because they might be voting anyway. Yeah, and then there's just the general traveler strategy, which I actually, um, we haven't really addressed specifically in, in any of the other um, traveler segments. I've recorded all the others at this point. Um, so it might be good to talk about it now, which is just like the thing you can do as a good traveler where you try to convince the demon that you know who they are. <laughs> Exactly. Just kind of talk to some uh, random players and say, oh, hey, I know you're my demon. Yeah. And it's maybe it'll work. Yeah, it's hard. You have to get, get lucky and hit it on the first few tries and have a demon who isn't too suspicious, um, because otherwise it'll become really obvious that you're doing this to everyone. Uh, but yeah, this works because the demon doesn't learn who the traveler is when the traveler is evil, but the traveler does learn who the demon is. So it's on the traveler to go talk to the demon, which means that a good traveler can totally fake it and just pretend and like hope that they get lucky and hit the demon and be like, hey, so I know you're my demon. <laughs> in, in my experience, it almost never actually works. Yeah. But every but... once in a while, you'll catch somebody. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. <laughs> if people have played enough, then they probably know that this is a thing that people do also. So they might be just less likely to trust a traveler, period. Yeah. But but, but if this if this hasn't happened in your group yet, then... It can be a good way to win the first game you're a good traveler in. <laughs> That's also partly why when I'm an evil, actually am an evil traveler, I'm probably not going to really talk to the demon anyway. Because one, they have no reason to believe me. And two, you know, I could just try to throw throw it on somebody else. Yeah, there's, there's also a funny thing you can do as an evil traveler where you go up to a good player who you know is good and be like, hey, so I know you're my demon. And... <laughs> Exactly. Then you can pretend that you were pretending that you knew they were the demon. It's that they think you're a good traveler trying to fake out the demon. No, it's just layers on layers. <laughs> and I think that that's, uh, in general, just when you're talking about being a, an evil traveler, 
you do kind of just want to pretend to be good for a while. Yeah. Especially with abilities like this, you want to use it at the right moment, basically. Yeah, if we're talking about evil now, if you don't want to be giving the demon the vote every single time, uh, especially if the demon's under any sort of suspicion already. I guess as evil, you probably want to try to be giving it to the, the good players who you think are least likely to make the correct choice when voting, right? <laughs> exactly. Which is an interesting thing. You kind of have to try to guess where everyone else is at. Um, and since you don't know who the minions are, that can be difficult too, because you might end up, maybe people are accurately figuring out that somebody is an evil player, they're just not the demon, and it would still be bad for you to get them executed. Um, so you kind of have to feel that out. Uh, so, but let, let's fully transition to playing it as evil. Um, do you have any other thoughts on playing it as evil? Pretend to be good um, for most yeah. of the game, and then at that at that exact moment that you know evil really needs those votes, that's when you give it to them, and they might not even realize that you're evil until that moment. But as you know, as a traveler, it's not going to make a big swing in the game. You're not the demon. Yeah, yeah, they'll probably exile you at that point, but hopefully, you've already done what you needed to do. It can kind of give you a thing where you keep the demon alive for like one extra day. And this especially works if you do manage to communicate with the demon and let them know who you are. Like if you go into a night where everyone has basically agreed to kill the demon tomorrow, that might be a time that the demon would normally star pass. But if the demon knows that you're going to give them votes, then that could allow them to stay for one more day. Sure, it outs you as evil, but it keeps them alive one more day and gives everyone else one fewer day to figure out who they star pass to. And that one day can be a big difference, especially later on in a game. Yeah, so I, I would really... Um, the evil, it will allow the evil team to play a lot better if they know that you're on their side. So I would really do everything I can to make sure that at some point in the game I try to communicate with the demon and like really convince them that I am on their side. This is something I also mentioned in the Thief segment, but you can choose the demon on the first night with your ability... And then go to them as you like go to everybody. But with them, you can say, I chose you with my ability to prove that I'm actually selecting you. Like, I know that you are the demon. It's kind of like a mechanical like signature. It's like, it's like writing them their name down on a piece of paper. And even though you're bluffing to everyone that you know them, uh, they're the only one, name you wrote down because they're the only one you locked in with your ability. It's true because that's the only information that you would have before you choose basically right yeah so that that is that is a something you can use to help convince the demon is by choosing them on the first day it's like i look i i'm telling everybody that i think they're my demon but i actually know you are <laughs> of course that also runs the risk if people realize you're evil later they might look at the person that you chose the first day with a little bit more scrutiny depending yeah i feel like this, this is a strategy that i think works better for thief because they would expect that you probably wouldn't make your, your demons vote negative on the first day as the thief. That's true. Um, but it still is a way to signal them. Well, in either way, the first day cho choice doesn't make a big difference to the game most right. of the time. So people might not look at it that way. But depending on how much suspicion is already on that player, they might go, wait a second, didn't that traveler choose them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, is, it is just an interesting vector for communication that... Um, that most other characters don't have, or at least don't need, really. Like other, I'm sure other uh, minions could do that, but they don't need to because the demon already knows who they are for the most part. I think another interesting thing that you can do as an evil bureaucrat that we were kind of talking about before we started recording is uh, trying to get the saint killed. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you, you'll um, see a lot of times <laughs> that the votes will be kind of close on a saint, but not quite enough to tip it over the edge, and a bureaucrat can make a big difference. Especially if you give the votes... Like, 
it kind of feels like it has to be something that you have to work out in public because basically if people are su- suddenly like the the saint gets a surprise enough votes to kill them then everyone's going to realize probably that they are the saint and that's what you're trying to do so i kind of feel like this is something you have to work out with the good players who want to kill the saint beforehand because yeah if it's a surprise it might do the opposite and be like yeah you're going to get them on the chopping block but then they're going to decide to kill someone else because they realize that that's what you're doing but there's a lot of times where you know half the group wants to kill them half of them doesn't yeah and having that extra couple of votes can tip it just far enough to potentially get give you that extra win condition yeah i don't know if this is a universal thing but i have found that in a lot of games that i've played um especially early on people like there's half the town that wants to kill the saint and then like the later the saint survives the more people are like okay we'll just wait until the last day but like in those early days i feel like this could especially work well at least in my groups um and if you've got you know depending on whether you're able to communicate with the evil team at all um you might even have a spy who knows for sure that's uh yeah that is true having the spy on your side is always really helpful um just in general for any traveler make your make your plans actually work a lot better <laughs> all right let's move on into the storyteller section what are what are like your considerations as far as putting the bureaucrat into the game making them good or evil etc with the bureaucrat um honestly the the one of the things that i really like about the bureaucrat is they pretty much will always work with the game yeah i agree you know we just talked about potentially trying to kill the saint having the saint in the game is not going to be a reason to not put in the bureaucrat no. It's not like it's super swingy like it can be uh, with some of the other travelers, everyone's, depending on the characters that you have in the game. And as for good or evil, I, I just kind of follow the, the general rule of thumb for travelers with it. Yeah. So two-thirds over, multi- over all the games that you run, about two-thirds good, one-third evil. Depending on what people are used to sometimes, maybe I'll just switch it up just to throw them off to make one evil traveler. Yeah, that's I'm pretty much in the same boat with bureaucrat. It's such a it's like it, it has a power that affects the game. It's pretty fun and it's never going to ruin anything because people can always exile it before it gets a chance to really. It's one of those it's if if you're making a decision about what to put in the game and you're not sure, just it's a good default. And what about the actual process of running the bureaucrat in the game? Anything special about that? I just do it the way the almanac says. Yeah, I I make sure as I'm going around and counting votes, I'll be saying them out loud. So I'll go four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, as I'm passing over the person so that everybody knows what just happened. I think think it's pretty important to do that rather than um, like jumping the number up, like rather than saying four, seven, um, because for one thing, people might not notice that. And for another thing, it's possible. It's much easier to make a mental math mistake doing that. I know it's just adding three, but <laughs> as, as you're spinning in a circle trying to keep track of 20 different things, it can make a difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot easier to keep track of, oh, I've said three more numbers and you don't have to like even think about it. You can figure it out afterwards, whether or not the vote succeeded. You don't have to be thinking about that. You just have to, you know, count them up. Uh, uh, I know <laughs> some people are, are will hold the grimoire as they're taking votes. I usually have put it back down by that point. Um, so I try to make sure, like, keep that one person's name in my head of who has those extra votes. And that's generally the only thing I need to be remembering. Yeah, it's it's usually you're, like, spinning around the circle too fast anyway to really check that. So just make sure you know that beforehand. Exactly. Even if you are holding the grimoire. It, it's It's good to reinforce the practice of just, like, really looking at the grimoire before you open up nominations um, or before you start any vote because 
there are a lot of things. I, the only other really thing in trouble brewing is the virgin, but just it's it's always good to look over the grimoire and just make sure you're not missing something. Always double check stuff. Um. All right. Uh, any any other thoughts on bureaucrat? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's it's one of the more straightforward um straightforward travelers for sure. Yeah, a lot of the trouble brewing travelers are pretty easy to understand and work pretty well in general. Yeah, so I, I don't really have that much more to say about it either. I think just, you know, if you're a good player in the game with a bureaucrat, keep in mind that even an evil bureaucrat will likely be giving out votes to good players at first, so it's not necessarily a bad thing to get rid of them, even if you think they're evil right away. But yeah, that's that's about it for me too. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thanks for... Thanks for coming on the show, Brian, once again. Thank you. Uh, It's always a pleasure to have you on. And we're back here again in the space between the episodes. Kind of grown accustomed to it here. I've been living here while you were listening to the section where you heard me from the past talking uh, with my special guest about a character so long ago I've forgotten everything about it. The only thing I know now is the space between the segments. It's where I live. It's my home. Uh, Anyway, scapegoat's up next, and the scapegoat's ability is, if a player of your alignment is executed, you might be executed instead. Alright, welcome back to another segment here on the Traveler episode today. I mean, well, this, this segment is about the scapegoat, and joining me to talk about the scapegoat is Ben Finney. Hey Ben, how are you doing? Hey Andrew, good to be back. Good to be heard. Yeah, it's good to have you back. What episode were you on before? I don't actually remember now that I think about it. I seem to be establishing a pattern for myself of challenging myself with characters that oh, uh, most right. people wouldn't <laughs> pick. I picked the librarian. Yes. Okay, well, scapegoat. Actually, uh, it's interesting that you say most people wouldn't pick this. Um, well, p- pick it to talk about, I mean. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's true. Because uh, I think it actually might be my favorite of the travelers from the Trouble Brewing Travelers. And we can talk about why that is. But yeah, you're right. There's not that much to talk about because your ability is kind of outside of your own control. So let's let's see how interesting I can be about it. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to just talk a little bit about the scapegoat in general uh, and why I like it so much. I think it's a really interesting design for a traveler because it, it, it ticks a lot of boxes for me for what I want from a traveler, which is that it interacts with the game like unless you just get exiled like right away you're pretty much guaranteed to have an effect on the game if the storyteller wants you to and like you don't have to like do anything to make that happen like there's a lot of times where i feel like thief or bureaucrat like sure they're choosing people and it like impacts the game a little bit but it might not really change the outcome of that many votes or any votes even uh even if it does like even if those people do vote sometimes it just doesn't make a difference Whereas the scapegoat has an ability that is pretty strong and will make a difference in the game, uh, if that's the storyteller's plan. Hopefully, they're adding a scapegoat into the game with the plan of using it. I think I think the scapegoat is a character that really highlights what's different about Blood on the Clock Tower. If, um, yeah, I don't know when people will be listening to this, but um, fresh in my mind, are some uh, some recent discussions that have been happening online. At, um, from people who are, who are new to thinking about Blood on the Clock Tower. And, and of course, it's inevitable that everyone will try to compare it to other games. And I think one thing that, that Scapegoat really highlights about Blood on the Clock Tower is that you can have something that's really powerful, um, but it's partly about the player and a lot about the storyteller. Yeah. 
the story this really shows what what kind of role the storyteller is um, it shows that the storyteller is not just a, a robotic moderator of the game this um, this really shows that the storyteller also has the very important job of make the game fun for everyone by sometimes using your power to tilt things one way or another yeah the scapegoat really is sort of a character where it's like in a vacuum if the storyteller wasn't controlling when it was used it would really swing a lot of games but since it's always just an option for the storyteller they can choose to deploy it at a time when it's going to make sense in the game yeah and for, and some people just that just bends their mind and, and some people will say well how how does that how is that fair well it's fair because the whole point of the storyteller is to is to try to help um the, help the game be fair it's it, it's really interesting to have a game that kind of has a nebulous concept of like what is fair and it's always based a little bit on the judge judgment of one other person but you just have to kind of trust in them which is i think that's the that's the hard thing for a lot of people to jump like make that leap is you have to trust the storyteller that they're trying to work to make the game fun and fair so yeah i agree with you andrew this is this is one of my favorite characters in the game yeah, and the the other reason I really like it as a traveler is that there's often a thing where a traveler comes into the game late, they've missed out on a lot of the early discussions, and then it's really hard for them to find players they trust who can give them like a good rundown of everything that's happened. Whereas the scapegoat has that ability built into their character where they can find somebody that they can trust, and that person can also find that they can trust them. And that gives you a great opportunity to learn what is going on in the game with somebody you know you can definitely trust, yeah. uh, barring you know spy shenanigans uh, <laughs> or reckless shenanigans. But it, it, the vast majority of the time, you're going to get somebody who can really key you into what's happening in the game. So that's part of why I like it so much. Yeah, for sure. So, so to talk about how to actually play as the scapegoat, I am curious to hear your thoughts on like what you're trying to do as the scapegoat. Is there really anything specific that you're trying to do? Yes, I think there really is. I think um, so. Uh, you have already given the rundown of the scapegoat ability. Um, the scapegoat player doesn't get to choose anything about that ability. Yeah. Um, the storyteller is going to decide um, at some point, or maybe it'll never activate, that when someone is going to be executed and they're on the same team as the scapegoat, the scapegoat might be executed instead. So I think the scapegoat... Um, like all players, but perhaps more than most, needs to go out and convince people that they're on that player's team. Needs to go out and try to try to find people who are on your team. And of course, an evil an evil scapegoat or a good scapegoat is going to try to say that they're on the good team. Um, so you're going out and you're trying to find people and convince them that you're on the good team. And I believe that what you're trying to do is convince people in private or even in public that it's okay that they can take a bit of a risk because if the town decides to execute them they've got at least one thing in their in their favor which is you sitting there waiting to take the hit for them yeah that's true um just having a scapegoat in the game really allows people to make those riskier decisions sometimes yeah there's a lot of characters in blood on the clock tower that uh, powerful or ambiguous and easy to bluff or things like that so the town will um, the town they'll, they'll often find themselves um, a suspicion cast on them or um, people think that it's too much of a risk to have them in the in the game and they'll they'll ask to be executed um, so they'll often be um, targeted for execution early or targeted for execution just when it might be important for them to be in play 
and you can encourage them to go for it anyway because you're on their team and you're the scapegoat and the storyteller is, is likely to help them out. I think that is what you should be trying to do. But the question of how you're going to do that, I think, is really difficult because there's nothing about your ability until it works. You're giving no information beyond just like you using your words to convince everyone. It's I'm recording this in the middle of the day with you. And just this morning, I was playing a game online where I chose to be the beggar. Um, and the beggar is, is um, a traveler that's similar, but you can actually like offer something in return for uh, convincing people that you're on their team. And so the scapegoat kind of has the same job, but has has very little to, to offer in terms of their own agency. But yeah, you're right. It's just the presence in the game of, of you sitting there with this ability um, that should be should be very helpful to your team. And if, one, if people want to listen to the last episode about travelers, I think Miles did a really good explanation of one thing that all travelers can do, which is try to like play against the other travelers in the game if there are any. <laughs> um, because it, in the vast majority of cases, like it's going to be very rare for there to be two evil travelers in one game. Uh, at least until you're getting up to like five travelers or something, uh, which is very rare, I think. So if you can f- find ways to show that the other travelers are evil, that can often be your best weapon. <laughs> yeah, and I've, I found that um, being a, a traveler who doesn't actually get to do a whole lot, um, a little bit more than, than the scapegoat, but um, but still it was it was tricky. I think that that also highlights another aspect of Blood on the Clock Tower that really confuses people, which is that, yes, there's a lot of game here. There's a lot of mechanisms going on, um, perhaps a lot more than a lot of other social social deception games. But what really sets this one apart is that many of the abilities, um, you must use your social skills as well. And Scapegoat in particular, I think, um, is is all about um, convincing people rather than doing something that that affects the, the game mechanisms. Um, do you have anything else you want to say specifically about playing as the scapegoat, for good at least? Um, because I feel like there's a lot to talk about from the storyteller's perspective, maybe not so much as playing as them. So I suppose it's common to, to most travelers, but I think with the scapegoat, since you're so, I suppose, similar to the Baron in that your your mm-hmm. um, your ability gives you no agency, um, but in a way that frees you up to to put all of your weight behind convincing people you're on their team, um, convincing them that it's going to be okay if they trust you. And um, the the fact of that ability sitting there or the fact that you've already changed the game just by being there can really make you a bit of a conduit for the good team's information, uh, whether whether you're evil or good. That's true. And you can you can go around. I found myself even though it was early in the game and I had nothing to offer anyone. I found that lots of people wanted to talk to me on the first day, even though my my ability could not do anything for them yet. Mm. Um, and that really helped the good team. I was in fact a good traveler at that point, um, and that really helped the good team because I was able to pass information around in secret and form this coalition that was out of the eyes of most of the evil players. So I think that that's that's something the scapegoat can really lean on. Um, like all travelers, but you're not. There's no. There's no distraction of how you're going to use your ability for for people. If you just, if they know you're the scapegoat, there's no that they, they you can't use your ability in that sense. So you're freed to just lean straight on the um, um, the team building aspect of yeah. it. Yeah, like you can also just do the same thing as any good player and just like watch how people vote, watch how people act, and Absolutely. just try to use the other information that everybody has. But you can focus on it more perhaps than they can. So I would say that, that that's 
important, um, especially if you're on the evil team, because um, an evil traveller is likely to be, especially one with an ability that they can't actively use, an evil traveller is likely to be found out not too far, not, not too many days into them entering the game. Uh, so you've really got to try to get the trust of a lot of good, of, uh, good team players um, so that you can really um, work to the advantage of the evil team. Yeah, I think that just for an evil scapegoat, the biggest thing you want to be doing is just staying alive at all costs because you're guaranteed to have an effect. Or, well, I mean, I I say guaranteed. Of course, the storyteller could choose not to do anything, but like, but the fact that you're alive available to use uh, is a real, real temptation for the storyteller. Yeah. So just by being in the game, you are making the most of your ability, is more what I mean by that. So that's what I would say about playing as the the traveler, as the scapegoat, um, either good or evil. Yeah, I think that's yeah. It plays pretty similarly either way. You mostly want to be staying alive, and then as long as you are alive, you can of course be using that time to do the other things you should be doing, like solving the game, talking to people, gaining trust. But just mostly make sure people don't ex- exile you. Make sure you convince them that you're on their team. Yeah, because you're going to have a positive effect on the game as long as you stay alive for your ability to trigger. That's the card that you've you've got up your sleeve to say. It's not up your sleeve, it's out, it's out in the open. To say, this is why you should not exile me, this is why you should trust yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like really leaning into that, even if you are evil, being like, it's going to be so valuable for you to save a townsfolk at some point, like, you got to keep me alive. You know, that it's so hard for the town, I feel, to give up on that potential value that it, that should be a card that you're really leaning. Yeah, like, this, this like highlights why travelers have such, such a powerful and direct ability. They're, they're really ambiguous. Yes. The, the abilities yep. of, of the travelers they're just it's obvious how powerful they are once you once you get it all right so let's talk a little bit about being the storyteller and talk about when we are actually triggering this ability when would you not ever trigger the ability things like that when would you put the, the scapegoat into the game uh, i'll start us by saying that i wouldn't i would not put the scapegoat into the game late in the game I mean, you probably don't want to be putting travelers in too much late in the game anyway, Mm. but I think the scapegoat especially is going to be so much swingier towards the end of the game and also just a little bit less fun because whether you make them evil and they like save, like at that point you can basically kind of decide the game if it's too late in the game and you choose to save the demon or something. Yeah, and the rule book book even has specific advice about this. it it warns directly against bringing in travelers on the on what is likely to be the final day of the game simply because that ability is is likely to decide the game yeah i i would be careful with the scapegoat even beyond that though yes. like the last like when there's like five or maybe even seven alive although i mean seven's probably pretty safe but yeah. i i probably wouldn't bring it in at five alive either yeah and and with something like the scapegoat um the the upside of of the um the fact that it uh, it strongly encourages um, going around and gaining trust and, and sharing information and, and uh, getting social reads and so forth. That's that's an upside of it. One downside of that, of course, is that the later in the game it is, the less opportunity the player is going to have to do any of that. Yeah, and the later it is, the less time like the less time they're going to have to make use of the fact that when you do choose to trigger their ability, they gain that person they can trust. So I would say bring the scapegoat in for a player who is joining uh, but has to leave early. Yeah. Um, bring the scapegoat in if the player has joined um, about halfway through the game. But if it feels like there's only about two, maybe three days left 
scapegoat is probably not a good choice. I would agree with that. I, I think generally the earlier they're in, the better. Like if it's kind of the situation where you've like just set up the game and somebody shows up, um, which I feel like happens fairly often, at least to me, then I feel like that's a pretty good time to put in the scapegoat because having it from like basically the start of the game really lets you see like when should you be using this ability. We had a player in our local group who who um, loved to play but had a conflict on the on the nights that, that we would play um, but loved it so much that they would they would come along anyway knowing that they couldn't stay more than about 40 minutes and so would quite frequently be a traveler and they would almost always choose scapegoat for um, for trouble brewing or judge which you'll talk about on yeah. another episode. Um, talk about in quite a while. <laughs> because those have once per game episode, uh, once, per, once per game abilities. And so this player knew that they were going to have a big, powerful impact on the game, and then they were done, and they were free to leave. Yep. Uh, and to that end, actually, I think I would encourage storytellers to use the scapegoat, not necessarily at the earliest opportunity, but definitely, like, don't wait on it too long. Especially because, um, a lot, like a lot of once per game abilities... Uh, there's always the risk that the player is going to be dead before the, the ability gets to yeah. be used. Yeah, so I, I just feel like for the purpose of having them have an impact on the game and allowing that player to have fun, using it as early as possible just to make sure it does get used will allow you plenty of time to balance the rest of the game out in case that does accidentally cause some big swing to use whatever powers you have to try to you know make it so that it isn't that bad you can mitigate it yeah and it ropes that player into the game and it makes it the most fun for sure actually you've just made me think of something that i should have uh, introduced in how to play you don't necessarily want to be too obvious about which team you're on in, at least in public um, because if the evil team figures out that you're definitely on the good team um, you become a target for for killing at night that's that's true, but I almost feel like that's also a benefit because I f like if the evil team kills a traveler, I feel like it's generally pit like you're pretty okay with that. <laughs> yeah, but that's another reason for the for the storyteller to to try to use it you know, a few days into the the scapegoat being in the game. Yeah, and, and I, I, that's probably like the biggest thing I would say about using the scapegoat. Can you think of particular situations where you like definitely wouldn't use the scapegoat ability? You have to you have to judge the impact of keeping a player alive when the town has decided to execute them um, mm -hmm. because that's it, it still requires that majority unless there's special shenanigans going on it still requires a majority of, of alive players to decide that someone needs to be executed so it's going to have a big impact on what people think is going on in the game um, if you arbitrarily save a person from execution um, so I think that you would use it in a similar way. One thing that it reminds me of in particular is um, a character you haven't talked about yet, the Shabaloth, where the mm -hmm. storyteller um, gets a pretty much once per game um, choice arbitrarily during the game uh, to bring someone back from the dead. This feels like a similar kind of choice where the, um, the storyteller is going to choose to keep someone from being executed and it'll be obvious um, that that happened and that it was the storyteller's choice. And so it's going to be a, a matter of, if I don't do this, the game is going to be severely tilted uh, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll step in with this once-per-game ability and uh, save this player from execution. 
it'll be a big signal to that player that they that they are important to the game. It'll be a big signal um, to the people who have who've been trying to figure out who they are um, that they're important to one team or another. And so everyone's going to go and talk to that player. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I I hadn't actually thought of it in that context before, but it is so similar to the Shabaloth. Yeah, like you got you have to really consider what people are going to assume happened there uh, in that moment when you save them from execution. It's like if pe- people are either going to assume, I mean, I can think of all sorts of things. They might assume that's the demon and you had to save them because otherwise, the, like, because that's the scapegoat's job. They might assume that that means, oh, they're a good player and we didn't need to kill them, depending on what they know about the scapegoat. They might just execute them again the next day. They might not. You have to really try to predict those things. And sure, but you, you're basically you're you're basically signalling to all of the players that um, that there is a second chance being offered here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And this is a um, this is. I mean, this this plays into again how how scapegoat highlights the special role of the storyteller as as contrasted with uh, many other games. Um, the storyteller here is making a choice and a lot of people misinterpret what this choice means and how it should be used it's not a punishment for anyone it's not a punishment for the, for the players who chose to execute it's not some kind of reward for anyone it's not even hey wouldn't it be funny if this if that execution didn't work and it went to the scapegoat instead it's it's something you've actually got to use with a fair bit of responsibility for for how how is this going to make the game more fun. If I, if I save this person from execution, does that make the game more fun, more enjoyable for everyone? And that usually means, does it stop the game from ending too early? There is one other situation that is unique in Trouble Brewing where this can come up, which is when somebody nominates the Virgin and dies because of that, or mm-hmm. well, is executed because of that, I should say. I think that ha- sacrificing the scapegoat in that situation is really an interesting decision. Because in some sense, that so let like, me confirms the situation them. you're talking about. Yeah, go ahead. Go a ahead. player has nominated um, Alex, and um, rather than going to vote, the player who nominated Alex, um, because of the Virgin's ability, uh, they are a townsfolk, or they are looking like a townsfolk, and that means that they must be executed instead of uh, voting on the, the, the Virgin's execution. And so the storyteller in your scenario is deciding that the player who nominated should not be executed and the scapegoat should be executed instead of them. Yeah. So Cameron, who nominated, um, is a townsfolk or is looking like a townsfolk and is about to be executed summarily because of the Virgin's ability, but then you use the scapegoat's ability and um, execute Brian, who is the scapegoat. So you're saying there, I suppose, that... um, this is signaling two things, that the Virgin really is the Virgin because uh, that's the only way in trouble brewing that someone could be summarily executed before we go to yeah. the vote. And, that, and that's you're indicating anyway. that the scapegoat is on the same team as the person who was about to be executed. So right. the person who was going to be executed is either a townsfolk and is on the good team or is, in trouble brewing, the spy and the scapegoat is evil. Yeah, or the spy and the scapegoat is good, <laughs> where the spy continued registering as a good player, ah, yes, of course, even as register, the scapegoat got killed. Spy can register as good to the scapegoat's ability. Ah, very Yes, tricky. so, and actually talking about scapegoat with spy in general is a really interesting thing to, uh, it's, that's a, that can be a, 
like that can be really tough on the scapegoat player because it's like they think they have somebody who they know is certainly on their team. It also gives them an interesting opportunity, though, because the spy might accidentally assume that they're evil. Uh, <laughs> so that that is in general something that's interesting, although I don't think we need to discuss it too much because I'm like it, it follows along from a lot of the other spy discussion about like when to use the spy ability. Um, but it is pretty interesting with the scapegoat. Yeah. So so back to the the virgin situation. I think it's usually going to end up being a pretty big boon for the good team if the scapegoat ends up dying in that situation because you get all of the information out of the virgin's ability that you usually do, but without having to sacrifice the good townsfolk. And with that in mind, having a scapegoat in the game can allow like like maybe the empath or something to nominate the virgin when they otherwise wouldn't want to if if they can trust you to do that. Um which is something players might want to ask the storyteller about or like bring it up as a possibility if if you think that's uh, something you want to bring into your strategy in the game. It's always good to talk to the storyteller. But yeah, do you have anything else you want to say about uh, either that situation or other things with being the storyteller? Yeah, this discussion has really, uh, really brought home that I, I love the way that the, um, the scapegoat interacts with both the group of players and with the storyteller. It really highlights what a unique game Lot of the clock tower is, and and how the storyteller role, um, the active participating but also neutral storyteller really um, is part of that game, and I think storyteller really highlights that. No, a scapegoat. I, I mean, scapegoat really highlights that. <laughs> Did you say the storyteller? <laughs> I didn't even I notice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's really cool how you can have a character that gives the storyteller so much power and gives them such an active thing they can use but it's still a lot of fun for the character to play um or for the yeah. player to play the character rather <laughs> there's a lot of um there's a lot of talk about but doesn't that mean the storyteller has too much power and like the answer that i'm now accustomed to giving is yeah i mean that's that's part of the part of the the, the trust involved is that the players have to trust that the the storyteller is going to stick to the rules and be neutral and this really yeah. requires that yeah absolutely Thanks for talking to me, Ben. I've enjoyed our conversation quite a bit. And for the listeners, you'll be hearing me talk about another traveler soon. But uh, this is about the end of your segment, Ben. So do you want to say goodbye? (laughs) That was great. Uh, I really love this character. And thanks for the opportunity. Mm -hmm.